up? Welcome to another episode of Cue the Review. I'm your host, Keese. Uh, start off with a little bit of box office uh, totals and movie news. So, number one at the box office again, Tenet. Brought in $6.7 million. Uh, it brings it to a total of $207.5 million worldwide. Still needs another $300 million to make profit for the studio, so it's probably going to wind up being a loss. And it's totally due to COVID. Uh, number two, The New Mutants brought in $2.6 million. That's kind of shocking. I was expecting it to have a bigger drop-off. Uh, that brings it to $30 million worldwide. That's going to be a huge loss, but I think uh, I think Disney absorbed that loss already when they had uh, bought the movie and all the rights to the X-Men stuff from Fox, so I don't think they're too much worried about it because they had never even planned on uh, releasing the movie anyway, so, yeah. Uh, number three, Unhinged, the Russell Crowe movie, brought in another $2 million, and... That brings it to $26 million worldwide, so already making a profit for them. Yeah. Uh, movie news. The Batman movie is back on schedules. Robert Pattinson recovers from COVID, so good news there for all you DC fans. Uh, more, DC mo- uh, <laughs> more DC movie news. Henry Cavill signs a three-picture deal to return as Superman, so... I'm actually kind of excited about that. He was a pretty good Superman. The movies were boring, but I liked him as Superman. I guess that kind of means he's out as the next James Bond, though. I don't know if he'll be able to do do both, but maybe he will. You never know. But, uh, yeah, that concludes the uh, movie news and uh, box office news. And now it's time to get into our next review. This week we got... Uh, any given Sunday coming up. So let's get into it. Gotta get to work. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, come on, come on, come on. My name is Willie. Baby, I keep the ladies. Craving, and all my fans. Got screaming. You can defeat me. So Any Given Sunday was directed by Oliver Stone. You know, if you don't know, his credits include such films as Platoon, Wall Street, JFK, Natural Born Killers, some other uh, big movies. He's known for like doing controversial style films uh, for, you know, like usually they kind of revolve around events in history and things like that. Uh, He's a pretty big director in Hollywood. At least he was. He's kind of, you know, slowed down a bit. But the movie stars, uh, well, it's packed with stars and notable actors. I honestly don't know how they paid all these people, but I guess a lot of them weren't making a lot of money back then. Uh, But uh, you've got Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, James Woods, who I recently just found out he is batshit crazy and a huge Trump supporter. So fuck you, James Woods. Uh, you got Jamie Foxx. Why the fuck does his name have two X's in it? I'm just now finding it out. Um, yeah, Fox with two X's. But you also got LL Cool J, Jim Brown, The Goat, Lawrence Taylor, Bill Bellamy, Layla Rashan, 
who was fine as fuck back in the day. Jesus. And uh, you also got a semi-young Aaron Eckhart. Uh, the movie came out in 1999. It had a budget of $55 million. It brought in $100.2 million at the box office, so not hugely successful, but it wasn't a loss for the studio. So that's a good thing. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes scores, the cr uh, critics gave it a 52%. Not surprising. They kind of shit on all of uh, Oliver Stone movies. I don't know why. Um, he's got some pretty good ones, especially like Platoon. I really like that one. But the audience score for Any Given Sunday uh, was 73%. So uh, still kind of low, but uh, it's, a, it's a fresh score. I think both of them are actually... Fresh scores on Rotten Tomatoes. I think under 50% is when it's rotten. But uh, me, my score, I gave it a 4 out of 5. Uh, the only thing that could have made it better is if they used real NFL teams. Uh, there were a few mistakes with the editing, I think. Uh, like there are some scenes where Willie has on one style of face mask. And, they, and then they cut away. And when they cut back to him, he has on a different one. That's kind of weird. Uh, also, there's some scenes where he has dirt on his jersey, and then they come back to him, and then his dirt, his jersey's clean. And then in the final game, he's seen on the sideline talking to the coach, and his jersey looks just fine. And then uh, they cut back to him, and like his shoulder pad is hanging out of his collar. So yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know how the editors missed that. Maybe they weren't paying him or something, or they were rushing. I don't know. Little things, though. Uh, other than that, the film is dope. Uh, the football scenes are all on point. The hits look real. The play calls and the audibles are, you know, realistic. Uh, the dialogue is hilarious. It's one of my favorite movies. Like, I've seen it countless times. So, uh, In fact, when I was in high school, uh, we used to use some of these touchdown celebrations from the movie. Uh, and we get flagged like crazy because they don't play that shit in high school. The refs are like, you know, any little celebration and you're getting a flag. Uh, luckily, we had a kicker who could kick like 60 yards. So like hitting an extra point from, you know, 10 or 15 yards further was nothing. He was also our linebacker and tight end. Dude was like 6'2", 240 in the 10th grade. So shout out to him. I don't know where he's at in life now, but yeah, shout out to him. Uh, yeah, but so the movie focuses on the Miami Sharks, uh, a fictional team. Uh, they were once a powerhouse, powerhouse football team and now struggling to make the playoffs in the 2001 season. So the movie came out in 99, but it's set in 01. Yeah. Uh, they're coached by Tony D'Amato, who's played by Al Pacino. Uh, he's a 30-year coaching veteran. Uh, during the first game of the season, which, well, no, during the first game shown, which is, I believe, the 12th game of the season, uh, both the starting quarterback, uh, Jack, or Cap Rooney, as they call him, uh, who's played by Dennis Quaid, and the second string quarterback, Tyler Cherubini, no idea who played him, uh, they both are injured, uh, Cap takes a crazy hit from both sides. Like one guy hits him high, one guy hits him low. Uh, damn near breaks his back, right? Uh, so they, you know, take him off the field, put him on the cart. 
Cherubini winds up getting smacked the very next play. So he goes down. Uh, like, it literally happened so fast, the car carrying Cap Rooney off the field. Like, it hasn't even fully driven off the field yet. So then the doctor has to, like, get back off, go help him, while, you know, the, the rest of the medical staff takes Cap to the back. Uh, so this leads to the Sharks calling upon the third-string quarterback, which a lot of teams, if you watch you know, the NFL they a lot of times they don't even have the third string quarterback dress because you're only allowed to have a certain amount of people dressed for each game. So sometimes you'll see like if two quarterbacks get injured in a game, you'll see like a wide receiver have to step in or something. Somebody who played quarterback in like fucking Pop Warner or some shit. Just anybody. Can you throw more than 10 yards? You're it now. So but uh, yeah, they have Willie, you know, third string quarterback dress. Um so uh, wind up bringing him in. Uh, he's like a, I believe they said he's a former seventh round draft pick out of the University of West Virginia or something, you know. Um, but yeah, Willie Beeman played by Jamie Foxx with the two X's. Uh, I found it hilarious when the assistant coach comes to get him. He's like just relaxing on the bench. Like I don't even think he knows that either of the quarterbacks have uh, went down. I think he was eating chips, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong. Uh, but the coach is screaming at him. He's, he's like, screaming, I told you to warm up. And he's like, look at your fucking play card. It's upside down. You know. Uh, then he goes up to, and then when Willie goes up to Coach D'Amato to get the play, um, who's played by Al Pacino, like he, Pacino looks at him, and he, he does like a double tape like he's never seen this motherfucker in his life. Like, who the hell is this guy we're about to put in? But, um, yeah, Beeman, he's like really nervous when he goes in. Uh, he makes a number of mistakes and errors and shit. Uh, like, he doesn't have a clue what's going on in the playbook, as you could pro probably tell by the fact that his play card is upside down. Uh, during one of the plays, he lines up under the guard instead of the center. And then later in the game, he audibles to a play which doesn't even exist, which has everyone on the field confused and yelling like, what the fuck is that? Uh, he throws up in the huddle, which begins kind of a ritual that he does like every game. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of, of Hall of Fame quarterback uh, Jim Kelly, who used to play for the Bills, who apparently... Used to throw up before every single game dating back to high school. So, just found that out myself. Uh, anyway, while the Sharks lose this game by like a, they, they barely lose it. So Beeman does pretty good. Um, he gains some confidence. And then during the next game, he gets more comfortable. Uh, he doesn't really learn the offense. Uh, so... And, or I don't know if he doesn't learn it or he just doesn't like it once he starts to learn it. Uh, so he starts to, you know, change the plays in the huddle. So not like, you know, getting a play call, going to the line and then looking at the defense and calling an audible because you don't like what you see. He's like, he gets the play, he gets in the huddle. He's like, fuck that. This is what we're going to run, which kind of pisses off some of his teammates. Um but, you know, well, especially uh, it pisses off the coaches. It really pisses off their star running back, Julian Washington, who's played by L. Cool J. Um, yeah, it works out. And 
you know, he leads the Sharks to the playoffs after winning two of the last four games, I believe, of the season. Uh, yeah, because they go in at, at nine and seven. So, yeah, they lost the first one barely. And they won the next two. They, like, blew out those teams. And then the fourth one, uh, his team kind of gave up on him. Like, the O-line wanted to make a point, let him get sacked all the times because he was on TV talking shit and being all arrogant. But, uh, yeah, that kind of pissed off the team. But they still made it to the playoffs, 9-7. and seven. And let's see, what else? Yeah, but all that arrogance, uh, you know, the whole – Becoming steaming Willie Beeman shit and the poster boy of the team. Uh, he starts getting commercial deals and shit like that. And it really pisses off L. Cool J. And him and uh, him and LL wind up having a crazy beef, which spills over into real life, apparently. And rumor has it that the fight in the movie is actually the real life fight. Not 100% sure on that, uh, but they did actually fight. Supposedly, supposedly L. Cool J whooped uh, Jamie Foxx's ass, and it actually great, gave us one of the greatest, well, some of the greatest stand-up material ever from Jamie Foxx. Because the way we got into it was crazy, because what happened was he thought we was really playing football. He thought we was really on a team. Yeah. I'm like, don't he know this is acting? Cause I seen him one time, he was just running, just. I said, hey, 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 where you finna go? We got a game. No, we don't. This is fake, don't you see the cameras? This is acting, I, I act. I know I left my tail, I'm acting, this is fake. Anybody hit me, they gonna get fired. I'm not playing, I'm an actor. Don't hit my body. But the reason we got into it, it, the way we got into it is, listen, it, it was an argument. But the argument was in the script. <laughs> this ain't really real. I'm not really saying this to you, player. Look, it says, you know, Willie Beeman, and then wh whoever you think you are right now, <laughs> it's you. Okay, I say my lines, and then you say your shit. It's not like I'm really mad at you, okay? So you want to run it again, and then we, okay, cool. Then we did the shit, and then I'm doing it, and I'm thinking in my mind, this motherfucker is... This motherfucker is really, really doing a great acting job, or he's, he's mad for real. He's going to get an Oscar for this, because he has me fooled. And we get the, you know you, how you kind of measuring a nigga, oh, hold on, this, you know, and we get to arguing so much, and the next thing you know, he hauled off and hit me. Now, I ain't no punk about my shit, but I wasn't ready. So I've got a couple of favorite scenes in this movie. Uh, one of them was when they were at the party at Shark's house, Shark LeVay, played by Lawrence Taylor. Uh, Willie starts trashing the defense, and Julian, played by LL, goes to tell LT, uh, who then takes a power saw, uh, cuts Willie's truck in half. Probably should explain why uh, LT is so mad. LT, or Shark LeVay as they call him in the movie, is the captain of the defense, middle linebacker, 
Uh, you know, in the movie, he's supposed to be one of the greatest linebackers to ever play, which is similar to Lawrence Taylor's career. Uh, so, yeah, he was pissed off, cuts his truck in half in front of everybody, tells him, you know, you know, uh, disrespect will not be tolerated, tells the uh, the defensive lineman to get him the fuck out of his house, call this motherfucker a cab. So that was a pretty dope scene. And also the last drive of the last game of the movie uh, that had some really dope scenes in it, especially like the... Uh, so they needed like, it was fourth down. I believe they needed like five yards or something. Uh, the offensive coordinator wanted to call a pass play, like slants or something or, you know, quick hitches. And Coach D'Amato was like, nah, fuck that. Uh, we're going to do some, you know, something gutsy. He calls this play called Comanche, which is basically an option. So snap the ball. Willie kind of fakes like he's going to pass it, takes off running. Uh, he picks up the first down, pitches it to Julian Washington, played by LL, who then takes it like another 10 yards, just when it looks like he's about to get tackled, hops out of bounds. Uh, that sets him up like first and goal for them to go ahead and get the go-ahead uh, go ahead touchdown for the win. Uh, a little trivia for this movie. Dennis Quaid's character, Cap Rooney, the house that he lives in in the movie is really Miami Dolphin, well, former Miami Dolphins and uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino's house. Uh, Al Pacino's final rallying speech for the team before the playoff game is based on a rallying speech real-life NFL coach Marty Schottenheimer gave the Cleveland Browns during the 1989 AFC Championship game, which... I'm a huge football fan. I never knew that the Browns have even gotten close to making it to a Super Bowl. So that was definitely something new. Uh, Sean, Puffy, Diddy, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him, Mr. Combs, uh, was initially cast to play Willie Beeman, but according to him, uh, there were some scheduling conflicts supposedly caused uh, that supposedly caused him to drop out, leaving the role to Jamie Foxx. Other sources say, though, that when the football experts began to work with uh, Diddy on the quarterback drills, they quickly realized that he had zero throwing experience. He couldn't throw a ball five yards, uh, similar to how Jay-Z looks when he tries to throw a ball. So it's something about New York niggas and athletics. But, uh, yeah, they knew he, could, he couldn't be a convincing uh, pro quarterback for the movie, uh, whereas Jamie Foxx was a natural athlete and was actually a high school quarterback. And, in fact, he was the first player to ever throw for 1,000 yards at his high school, which doesn't sound like a lot, but even when I played high school football in, like, the early 2000s, you, high, quarterbacks weren't throwing the ball a lot. They you run the ball 20, 30 Plus times a game, the quarterback, if he throws 15 passes, he's lucky. So back then, him throwing for 1,000 yards, that was huge. Uh, during the filming of this movie, Lawrence Taylor was actually voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it there. And now we're going to move on to our top five. Uh, it's going to be top five football movies. Uh, 
I figured it was too many actors in this to single out to do just a, a top five for a specific one. And I didn't want to do hella top five. So just going to give you to my top five football movies. And number one is this one, Any Given Sunday. Greatest football movie ever. And I think it's the only football movie that revolves around pro sports. Usually the rest of them are like college or high school. So number two, Varsity Blues. Classic. Number three is The Program. You got young Holly Berry, young Omar Epps, um, you know, juiced up, fucking D linemen going crazy. Uh, I actually played with a couple linebackers like the character Alvin Mack uh, in the movie The Program. I'm talking about these motherfuckers are just dumb as bricks and just mad aggressive for no reason. You know, linebackers are they're different characters. Yeah, stay away from them. Uh, number four, Friday Night Lights. Classic. You want to win, put Booby in. And then number five, Remember the Titans. So, and once again, that's uh, another episode of Cue the Review. Uh, I'm not sure what episode this is. Number six, I believe. Maybe number seven. May even be number five. That's not important. But uh, yeah. like, listen, share, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Like I said, hit me up if you want to be on the podcast. If you want to, uh, you know, help me review something. Or if you just want me to review a, a movie that you find special, go ahead and inbox me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's going to be the letter Q underscore the underscore review. Go ahead and follow me on that. Shout out to my listeners in uh, my international listeners. I got a couple in Australia, uh, a few in the UK, and there was one more. It was a weird place that uh, just like, how the hell did you guys find me? I want to say it was Indonesia. So shout out to y'all out there in Indonesia listening. I don't know how y'all found this podcast, but thanks. Uh, Thanks for the support. And I'll catch y'all next week. Y'all be safe.